Now then, as we prepare to receive the Word of God today, I want to ask you the same question again. What is Jesus going to say about you? What is he going to say about you when you stand before him? Look, you'll either stand, I'll stand before him either at the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment. I know what he's going to say at the great white throne judgment. Depart from me, I never knew you. But what is the Lord going to say? Look, I've said this before. I want to say it again. Just I feel led because I just believe with all my heart today might be your last day on planet Earth. What is Jesus Christ going to say about you and me when we stand before him? I want you to really seriously consider what he's going to say about you. Look what you could have had. Look what you could have done. Look where you were at. I don't know, but I know this. My dear friend, last week after preaching last Sunday, I was heading out to uh, take our missionary friend out and spend some time with him. I got a text message, and the message said, your friend, Jimmy DeYoung, passed away this morning. I knew he was in the hospital, and I was praying for him as I do daily. God has blessed me through Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. He's been here at the church. Even though I'd pastored for over 20 years and preached on Bible prophecy, Still, the friendship with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, Brother Jimmy, to go to Israel and Turkey and Rome for 21 days and to be affiliated with Louisiana Baptist University studying the Ph.D. in the area of Bible prophecy was a privilege, to say the least. And uh, Jimmy DeYoung preached three weeks ago. He preached three weeks ago at the Church of the Highlands. He did a great job, no problems, no nothing, and all of a sudden... And so, I tell you what, he finished faithful. He finished faithful. 80 years young, he finished faithful. How many of y'all want to finish faithful, all right? And so, how can you prepare? And how can I prepare to stand before Jesus Christ? Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know how to prepare to stand before Jesus? If you and I stood before him today, this afternoon, tonight, what would he say about you? I want to be prepared. How can we prepare? I'll tell you what, it's easy to drift, and I see a lot of Christians drifting and losing focus. We heard some testimonies about serving the Lord. It doesn't take much to lose focus. It doesn't take much to drift spiritually, and especially during a time like we're living. I remember as a boy when I thought about drifting, going to the beach. How many of y'all been to the beach this year? Come on, nobody, all right? One person, two people. Yeah, and I remember as a 10-year-old boy, our, we'd put our towel on the shoreline, run out the beach, my brother and sisters have a great time out in the water. We'd just get so caught up in what we were doing. We'd lose track of time. We'd be out there for 30 minutes, an hour, playing and having fun, splashing water and so forth, and watching for sharks, of course. But anyway, and next thing you know, we'd look up to the shoreline and say, where's our towels? My, look, they're way down there. We had drifted because of an undertow about 100 yards. Our towels were way down. We didn't even realize it. It was carrying us away. Can I tell you today, there's an undertow pulling you and me away from being in the will of God. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are feeling that undertow. And therefore, I want to encourage you to 
Uh, listen very carefully today. Speaking of going to the beach, you hear about the little boy? He went up to this lady, an elder lady sitting on the beach. He said to her, said, ma'am, are you a Christian? She said, yes, I am. He said, do you read your Bible? She said, yes, I do. He said, do you pray? She said, yes, I do. He said, do you go to church regularly? She said, yes, I do. And then he reached in his pocket and said, well, then hold this dollar bill for me while I go swim. <laughs> I want a Christian holding my dollar bill, amen. Somebody who's honest. And even if you're not a believer, praise God, the biblical principles in our world certainly will change your life. And I hope you know the Lord Jesus in a personal way. Today we're talking about what is Jesus Christ going to say about you? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but God led me back to this passage again today. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it very brief and very simple. Three questions that I think will help you and me prepare today for standing before the Lord Jesus tomorrow. And as we look at the text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, You'll notice this concerning the three questions. I'll bring them up on the screen. Number one is this. Why serve Jesus? Why should you serve the Lord? And somebody says, I can sit and serve the Lord on my couch. I don't deny you can serve the Lord. But uh, the Lord gifts us with spiritual gifts. And those gifts are meant to be exercised through the body of Christ and the rewards that will await. So, number one, why should you serve the Lord? We'll see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Number two, how, how, how can we serve the Lord? How can we serve the Lord? We'll see that very clearly in 2 Corinthians 5, 20. And then number three, will it make a difference? Is it worth it? Will it be worth it? I'm telling you, will it be worth it when you stand before Jesus Christ? Will it be worth it serving Him? I'll tell you, it will be worth it. No doubt it. No doubt about it. Will it be worth it? Yes. Be fervent. I like this. This is in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. You know what that word fervent means? Boiling over. It doesn't mean do it half-heartedly. It doesn't mean do it as an afterthought. It doesn't mean, well, I'll serve God, you know, if it's convenient, if I don't have anything else going on, if this doesn't keep me from that and that keeps me from that. Can I say this, and I love you, and please don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to say. But uh, it's easy to put our jobs before God and our jobs become our God. It's easy to put our family before God and our family becomes our God. It's easy to put a lot of other things before Jesus Christ and thus we put Him on the back burner. But look, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to have to answer to anybody but Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you shouldn't do the best job you have and you shouldn't work diligently. I pray for you daily and I'm praying God will bless you. Absolutely. I'm not telling you not to spend time with your family and use your influence, but when you put your family before the Lord and put, uh, put your job before the Lord and put yourself before the Lord, there becomes a problem there. And I'm afraid that that's what's happening to many of us. Our priorities aren't in the right place. And therefore, the Lord is saying, look, I deserve to be number one in your life. And is the Lord Jesus number one? I'm going to talk in a moment about more detail about what I'm trying to say there because I know you're sitting there thinking, but pastor, I got to go to work and I got to have a family and all that. Yeah, but you can keep the balance. If the Lord is important to you, you'll make time for him. We make time for what we want to do. Come on. 
and we have recreational time. we got other time. I'm just being honest with you today. Here's the three areas that we're going to talk about. Number one, why serve Jesus Christ? Number two, how should we serve Jesus Christ? And then number three, will it be worth it? I mean, is, is all this a bunch of baloney? Is all of this just a bunch of hogwash? Are we just blowing hot air today? Are we just doing something in a, you know, in a unreal world? Will we really stand before Jesus? Will you really stand before Jesus? I'm telling you, you will. If you believe the Bible is true, and I do believe the Bible's true, well, what is it going to take for you and me to prepare to stand before Jesus? Take your Bibles and stand, please. As we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, really chapter 4, Paul closes on our outer man perishing, but our inner man being renewed day by day. He says this is a light affliction. He compares the temporal versus the eternal. You got troubles today. You got problems today. How many of y'all got problems and troubles? Everybody does. You got financial issues. You got marital and family related things you're challenged with. But look, here is the, uh, here's the focus. In chapter 5 of the book of, first, of 2 Corinthians, this second letter where Paul takes his heart and allows us to see his heart. 1 Corinthians, he allows us to look into the church and see things going on. But in chapter 5, as we move to the text today, you'll notice in chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, uh, the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, is talking concerning our bodies wearing out and to being absent from the body but being present with the Lord. And that's the great news. Now, we pick up in the text. Let's skip down, please, to verse number 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we be accepted of him. Well, that's really important. I want to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus. My self-worth is not dependent upon what people think about me at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. My self-worth is not dependent upon how my children react or, or act toward me. My self-worth is based upon my relationship with Jesus Christ. And therefore, I want you to know that our self-worth is in Him. And therefore, uh, we want to be accepted of Him. Now look, the love of Christ is the greatest thing in all the world. Look at verse 10. We must all, for we must all. Listen to me, beloved. That means every single one of us. Paul's writing to the church. He said, we must all. We must all, say that with me, we must all. You know the word picture? One at a time. Not ten standing before the Lord, one at a time. You and I will stand in a line one at a time before Jesus. What's he going to say about you? Excuses aren't going to matter. Alibis aren't going to matter. This and that and busy about this. Are you really going to say that to Jesus? You think he's going to say, I understand. <laughs> Absolutely not. What is he going to say about me? What's he going to say about you? Boy, this is a heart-searching question. Now look again, verse 10. We must all appear, fan and rote. We must all appear where? Before the bema, the judgment seat of Christ. That's, I believe, will take place after the rapture. I mean, we'll be escorted immediately in his presence after we die. Last breath, last heartbeat in his presence. But notice... Verse number uh, 10 again, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice that everyone may receive the things done in his body. That means this side of heaven. According to that, at, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Here's the deal. The Lord is saying, serve in the Lord. You'll be rewarded or you'll suffer loss. That's what he's saying. 
The word bad is phalos. Phalos, which means worthless, useless. God's giving you a gift. Are you using it? It's not any good if you're not using it. And that's what he means. We'll be rewarded whether it be good or bad. And it doesn't mean bad as in going to eternal lake of fire. It means bad as you could have had a reward and you chose not to, to seize the opportunity. That's what he's saying right here. And, and I have to examine my heart and say, Lord, why am I preaching? Why, why am I doing this? Is it for you? Is it for your glory? Is it for my own self-gain? Well, why are we doing what we're doing? Our motives, oh Lord. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, phobia of the Lord. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. Don't forget that. Knowing the terror of the Lord. I, I wonder why Paul said that right after he said, standing before the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> you know, we, we can manipulate people. We can maneuver people. We can, uh, you know, pull the wool over people's eyes about things in our life and our schedule and all. But we're not going to do that with Jesus. He sees right through it. His fiery eyes, he's not going to bow all of our, you know, this and that and the other. What's Jesus going to say to you? Think about it now. What would he say right now if you were to pass away today? What would he say about you? Would he really say, well, you've really done well, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Would he say that? That's the ultimate word, certainly. But notice again, he said, we persuade men. Verse 11, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are manifest, made manifest in your conscience. Skip down to verse 14. Here's what I want to get to. The love of Christ... For the love of Christ, for the love of Christ constraineth us. I want you to repeat that with me, please. For the love of Christ constraineth us. One more time. What does that mean? We're coming back to it. The love of God is the greatest thing in all the world. Nobody can love you like Jesus can. Your wife, your husband can't love you like Jesus can. Your children can't love you like Jesus can. Your friends can't love you like Jesus can. Nobody can love you like Jesus can. The love of Christ. Do you hear that? The love of Christ. Look at this, verse 14. The love of Christ, suneco. Suneco. What does that word mean? Constraineth. It means the love of Christ urges us on. The love of Christ makes me want to serve Him. This love of Christ, it's not legalism. It's not because a preacher said it. It's the love of Christ. Hey, I want to tell you something. If Jesus has done something in your life, you cannot get over it. I mean, you, if you think about all the Lord has done for you in your life, I can't, I can't reason in my own mind all he's done for me, forgiven my sin, given me a home in heaven, dwelt me, been good to me, given me great health or good health, and yeah, I've got aches and pains like everybody else does, but thank God Jesus has been good to me and he's worthy to be served. And if you can't come to that conclusion, there's something wrong with your heart. There's something wrong with your heart if you can't come to the conclusion God's been good to you. What are you doing for him? Oh, I'm just, you know, uh, what are you doing? I mean, what, what's he going to say about you and me? I know we don't want to think about this. We want to think about other stuff going on and this time of the year and all that. But, but look, it's my responsibility and job slash as your pastor to tell you spiritual things. And I think some of us are waking up to it more and more, the reality of life and death. More of us are realizing uh, stuff we talk about on Sunday, how it becomes a reality. I'm not just up here for show. I'm not up here to try to gain popularity. I'm really, really concerned about you and me standing before Jesus. Now notice again, verse 14, the love of Christ constraineth us. What does that mean? It propels us. It compels us. Suneco. It holds us together. Oh, hallelujah. 
the love of Christ. And some of you are desperately needing that love right now. Because, look at this, verse 14, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Please pay attention to verse 15. And that he died for who? He, did he die for you? Yes. He died for all. Why? Why did Jesus die for me? Why did he die for you? Look at this. That they which live should not henceforth live unto who? Live for who? Are you living for yourself? Look, I know it's a survival world. I know it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. I know the COVID-19's got everybody in fear and phobia and all that stuff. But we got to get back to what the Word of God teaches. Who are you living for these days? Me, myself, and I? Are you really living for the Lord? You're letting God dictate your steps? Are you seeking God's wisdom and will for your life, for your family, for your job, for your future, for your finances? That's what he's saying here, that we who live should no longer live henceforth for ourselves. This is that current I'm talking about drifting. The world's saying, live it up, live it up, live it up. Eat, drink, and be merry. Live it up, live it up. Life only comes around once. Live it up, live it up, live it up. Jesus said, you fool, you are a fool if you think this life is all there is to it. That's what he said to the rich young man. I'll build bigger barns and eat, drink, and be merry. You fool. Jesus said, you are a fool. You, you're not thinking about tomorrow. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Look at Luke chapter 12. So it's a foolish man or woman who thinks this life is it. What are you going to say to the Lord? What's he going to say? What's Jesus going to say about me and you? God help us. And then notice, he said that we who live should no longer live henceforth for themselves. Verse 15. But unto him, unto him. We shouldn't live for ourselves, but unto him. If I didn't read that in the Bible, I wouldn't know it was there. And when I read that, I thought, you mean... Lord, you expect me to live for you? That's what Jesus said. Yes, I expect you to live for me. And it doesn't mean just doing the best we can. It doesn't mean just treating people all right and saying a blessing at the meal. It means serving him and letting him fill us with his Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me to live a life. And God, give me grace and forgive me of the sins in my life. Henceforth, live unto themselves, but unto him. But we live for him, but to him, look at the last part of verse 15, which died for them. Nobody else died for me. Nobody else can take away my sin. Nobody else can give me life. Nobody else can give me abundant life. What's wrong with us today? What's wrong with us? Have we gotten so looking inward that we're not looking upward and outward? We're just, oh God, God changed my heart. And then notice what he says, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things, verse 18, are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. That means he brought us in a new relationship. A holy God with a sinful man like me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. By Christ Jesus who he hath reconciled. Notice verse 18, the last part. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul's not just talking to preachers. He's not just talking to missionaries. He's not just talking to, uh, you know, uh, administrators here. He's talking to every Christian in the church. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Tell me more, Paul. What do you mean? Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world in himself, not imputing their trespasses against him, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Listen, you're the only Bible some people are going to read next week. They're not going to church. They're not going to listen to preacher. They're not going to come to New Rocky Creek. They don't care what I say. They don't care what I do. They don't care, frankly, what anybody else does. But they're watching us and they're reading us. 
You're the only Bible that some people are going to see next week. I'm the only Bible. Oh, God, help us to know you called us for such a time as this. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? Presbuo is the word. We are representatives. God has entrusted me and you to carry forth his work of reconciliation. God's called you. God's called me. Maybe not you to full-time Christian service, but your mission field is where you work. That's where your mission field is. Oh, are you making it a mission field? If I'm not careful, I start complaining and whining about this and that instead of praising God. I want you to purpose in your heart today to make your workplace a mission field. Look at this, verse 20. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you, we pray thee, be in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For it made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, Lord, I think about what are you going to say about me, what I could have had, what I should have had, what I should have done, what I shouldn't have done. God, I know I've been a stumbling block. I know that, Lord, I, Lord, need you every moment of every day. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, you'll give us ears to hear you and hearts to obey you. Help us to be still and know that you're God. Oh, blessed God, we worship you. And Lord, we know we'll stand before you one day. And we ask now, zero in on us. Open our eyes to see ways and reel us back in. God, where we've drifted where we've taken our eyes off of you, where we lost focus. Bring us back into fellowship with you today. Bring us back into the center of your will today. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And I just want to purpose in my heart right now to love you, to serve you, and to make a difference while there's time. And Lord, correct everything in me. Forgive me of grieving your spirit. Forgive me, Lord, and help us today not to quench your spirit as you prompt on our heart to yield to you. Oh, blessed Jesus, we worship you. I pray for young people today. I pray for mamas and daddies today. I pray, dear God, for husbands and wives. I pray for our community. I pray for the family of Wayne Allen. I lift up Jimmy D. Young's family. I lift up our church family. I lift up those hurting and, and those who would love to have full health. God, just use this, even the bad things, for your glory. And we'll give you praise now. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for those that are responding. Thank you for the faithfulness of teachers, workers at New Rocky Creek that are stepping up when others are running from the call. God, raise up more men. Raise up more women. Raise up more willing workers who are willing to say no to self and yes to you with our time, with our talents, and with our treasures. Oh, Father God, Help us to see things as you see them. And we'll thank you for it, praise you for it. We pray this in the name of Jesus.
with thanksgiving. And I know it'll be worth it when we see you. Hallelujah. Oh, God, so many of our people have gone on to be with you. And I just look forward to seeing you one day. Help me to be ready. Help us to be ready. Help us to be prepared. Father, again, we pray now, right now as we prepare to meet you someday in the sweet by and by, that we'll be, oh, God, busy about your business, occupying until you come understanding the times which we live, making a difference. So, Father, those that feel unworthy, I pray you'll show them it's not their worthiness, it's yours. And those of us who've been failures and made mistakes, we thank you you're the God of a second chance. So, Father, the devil's lies, all the demons of hell, and the devil that would try to keep us from serving you, we ask you to send them behind us. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by your word. And we know you got plans for us. You said, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So, Lord, we're anticipating much more. Hallelujah. And it just will be glorious to gather at your throne, bow at your blessed feet, and say, worthy, worthy, Jesus, worthy, worthy of our all and we pray this in Jesus name father and all God's people said amen you may be seated all right follow with me really close why should we serve Jesus and here is the text the love of Christ constraineth us the love of Christ hold us together again it urges us, I underline that, that he that died for all, that we who live should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Hey, look, why should we serve the Lord Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? How many of y'all really love Jesus? Some of you really couldn't raise your hand, could you? <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. That's what he said. I have to ask myself, do I really love you? Peter, do you really love me? You know I love you. Agape love, ophileo love, friendship love. Did you hear about the old boy that said he loved his girlfriend? Sometimes this reminds me of us. He said to his girlfriend, he said, I love you so much, I can't wait to be with you. He said, I'd do anything to spend some time with you. I would crawl on my knees across the red-hot sand of the Sahara Desert just to spend a little time with you. He said, I would climb and scale the highest mountain, Mount Everett, if I could just be with you for a little while. He said, I'd swim across the shark-infested waters of the Atlantic Ocean if I could just spend a little time with you. And then he said in the text message, P.S., I'll see you Thursday if it don't rain. And I'm afraid to say that's about the way it is with some of us with our love to Jesus. It's one thing to say lip service. It's another thing, your life. Our life will indicate if we love the Lord. Our willingness to obey him will indicate if we love the Lord. He that hath my commandments, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Listen to me, beloved. Yes, we're all busy. Yes, we've all got things going on. I've never been as busy in all my life when it comes to ministry. And I'm thankful to God for what God's doing in my heart and in the church. 
and it's a very challenging to keep up with things. But look, it's worth it. It's worth it. Worth it. Stress, yes. Pressure, yes. Uh, problems, yes. Yes, yes, yes. All of that. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. We had two people to come down to the altar last Sunday, and here's what they said. They said, Pastor, we've been in churches where we've been overloaded. As Josh said a moment ago, it's easy to lose your joy when you get too much on your plate. If you know me well enough, you know that I will say to you today and right now, pray about where God wants you to serve. Don't just start taking on everything. Next thing you know, you'll be like Martha, busy about much, cumbered about much, and ineffective about what God's called you to do. Pray specifically, Lord, what would you have me to do? In fact, God's gifted you some way, maybe teaching, maybe administrating, maybe mercy, maybe giving, maybe uh, exhortation or discernment. There's a number of spiritual gifts called motivational gifts found in Romans chapter 12. But look, here's what I want to, to tell you. This couple that came, they said, look, Pastor, we've been in the church ministry where we were doing everything and we got overloaded. We lost our joy of serving the Lord. You know, sometimes we think that uh, our uh, doing is better than our being. Y'all hear me, hear me. Our being, my relationship with Jesus, first and foremost, and after my, after my abiding in the vine, everything comes outside of that. It's not substituting my relationship with Jesus, doing all these things, preaching and teaching and uh, doing all this stuff. Rather, it's out of, it's out of, first and foremost, my relationship with Jesus. Question, how's your relationship with the Lord? Is it what it ought to be? Maybe that's the starting point for you. Maybe you need to return to your first love. Maybe you need to let some things go that maybe have creeped in your life, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe you need to get back to your first love. Maybe you need to go back to Bethel, as God said to Jacob of old. Yes, we serve of a God of a second chance. Thank God for it. But this couple said, we've been in a church where we've been overloaded. But listen to me. They said this too. Pastor, we've been a church where we've done nothing. We sat and soaked and soured. That's what he told me last Sunday. Don said this. He said, we've gotten a church where all we were were bench warmers. We sat on the bench. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed a lot of bench warmers are the complainers. They're sitting out there looking how everything's done and said, I don't like this and I don't like this. And I, well, bless God, get in the game and start serving God. And then you'll stop, you'll stop your complaining. I'll guarantee you that because if you're not doing anything, you can find fault like uh, with me and I can find fault with you. But when you're serving God and you're going to make some mistakes, uh, don't just be a bench warmer. Come on. That's what John told me last week. We've been overloaded, but we've been bench warmers too. We want to get in the team, the game of serving the Lord. I said, hallelujah, Don. There's a place for you, man. Him and Kimmy, so pray for them. So why serve Jesus and how can we serve Jesus? Notice this. We're ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. We're representatives of the Lord. That we'd God said that he'd beseech us. We pray that in Christ did be reconciled to God. All right. Wayne Allen. How many knew Wayne? Wayne Allen Jr. How many knew him? All right. Thank you. 46 years old. I had the privilege last Wednesday to preach and teach at a school, Christian school. And uh, anyway, 30 students, maybe a little less than that, 6th grade to 12th grade, they said, here, take all the time you need, two hours, two hours. You imagine that. Wow. Teenagers, isn't that a blessing? Teenagers, hello, to sit on the edge of their seat talking about the things of God. 
and leading them into Bible prophecy. And it was a wonderful discussion. They were sitting on the edge of the seat. Nobody got up. Nobody went to the bathroom. Nobody fell asleep. Bless God. Anyway, so we had a great time. After, we, after I left around lunchtime, I got a telephone call. And here was the message. Brother Randy, I said, yes, sir. He said, did you hear? I said, no, what? He said, little Wayne died. He died in his sleep. They found him this morning, his body uh, in the bed. He, 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 he passed away evidently. I said, wow. I said, you know what? I just talked with little Wayne not long ago. I stopped over there at Pony Express, and he had his truck with him and his trailer, and I felt impressed to the Lord to talk with him just a few weeks ago. And I went up to him. It was on a Sunday afternoon. I won't forget. It was just, uh, like I said, a few weeks ago. And I said, Wayne was always friendly to me. Every time I'd see him, he'd stop, he'd talk. In fact, as I was reminiscing, it was 1991, 30 years ago. Wayne Allen, little Wayne Allen, sat in the back of New Rocky Creek Baptist Church, right over there. And I'll never forget, a long time ago, 30 years ago, God spoke to his heart and God got a hold of him. I was reflecting on that time. And he responded. He repented from his sin, so he told me. And he received Jesus as his Savior, so he told me. Every time I saw him afterwards, I'd ask him. Now, I'm not saying Wayne was perfect. None of us are. But I'm telling you, every time I'd see him, he'd talk about that experience. And uh, anyway, when I was talking with him just a few weeks ago, I said, Wayne, you know what? I just got on the subject. He was at the gas pump. I was at the gas pump. Get the picture. Sunday afternoon, he's just been bailing hay, and I've been at church. And anyway, I said, Wayne, I remember your dad, them bringing your dad's body to the hospital a little over a year ago. I was there at the hospital when they brought his body, and I spent time with your dad at the hospital, etc. And he said, yes. And I said, Wayne, my dad went to be with the Lord a year ago, and I miss him. I miss him. He said, yes, I know what you mean. And then we got on the subject of his grandmother, Sister Lorraine. I said, you know, your grandmother, I'll never forget it. You've heard me talk about it. I was at her house standing in the front yard with her right over there where Linda, you and David's house is. And we were standing in the front yard as a pecan tree, and I'll never forget it. She said, Brother Randy, when the Lord gets ready to take me home, I want to go in my sleep. I said, Sister Lorraine, that's a great prayer request, but sometimes we're not all, always afforded that privilege. However, if it's the Lord's will, he'll do it. Guess what? Shortly thereafter, she went to bed on Friday night. She woke up in heaven on Saturday morning in her bed. I was at the house when they came and got the body. And so I told Wayne that, little Wayne that. I said, little Wayne, life is but a vapor. I mean, we're not promised of tomorrow. I remember the Lord just moved on my heart. I don't always do that. Y'all believe that, don't you? I don't always do that. But I'm telling you, there was a reason. And I, and I began to share with him about, uh, you know, the eternity and passing away and being ready. What I'm telling you today. Now, I know some of you are sitting here today and you may be just thinking, well, you do this all the time. But it's true. Uh, it's true that we're not promised of tomorrow. It's true that life is but a vapor. It's true that we'll die one day. It's true that God's no respecter of person, teenagers. I was thinking just the uh, other day, this week, about a young 26-year-old man who was killed on a motorcycle right there on Jackson Lake Road. I preached his funeral the same day of Brother Chalton's funeral. And I remember Jesse. I mean, I remember Jesse Andrews. I remember when he came to church, 12-year-old young man. And I remember sharing the gospel, how Jesus Christ died for his sins, was buried, rose again. I had no idea his life would be snuffed out like that. None of us have any idea right now what's going to happen. None of us do. 
prepare to meet thy God. Now is the accepted time. And I'm grateful to God as I stood at that funeral, a 26-year-old man killed on a motorcycle wreck, stood at the funeral and, and shared with the family there that experience that he was ready to meet God on all indication. I had the privilege of baptizing Jesse. How many of y'all believe that's important when a person dies, they're right with God? Look, it's too late after you die. I said it's too late after you die. There's no second chance. And so right now, there might be somebody sitting here right now today. There might be somebody listening by live stream right now. You're titter-tottering, vacillating, procrastinating about your eternal destiny. The love of Christ is the brand new love or the brand new destination. The love of Christ constraineth us. And so, Wayne's in heaven now, and like so many others, teenagers that I've preached the young man's funeral right back here, was in a wreck on Rocky Creek Road, stood there at the grave, or rather at the funeral service with a motorcycle helmet, a 14-year-old young man. And I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's real, I'm telling you. And if you've ever been with families down at the hospital when they had a loved one die and see the terrible agony on their face and knowing they're out in eternity, It'll change you. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same when you gather around a bedside of a lady who's 40 years old. Miss Lori. Ellis. You remember? Brain tumor. August the 1st, 4 o'clock in the morning, we gather around her bedside. 40 years old. Gone. Gone. Well, what about it? God's called you and me to be reconcilers. God's called me and you to be ambassadors. Look, everybody doesn't go to heaven that dies. I got news for you. Jesus said, wide and broad is the gate. Doesn't that bother you? I know you'll agree with that, but my real question is this. What are we doing about it? Are you telling them? Are you afraid of them? Are you intimidated by them? Are you afraid they're going to cuss you out? Are you afraid that they're not going to like you? Are, they, are you afraid that they, you... Get over that, okay? Get over that. What's more important is obeying God. You're going to face some persecution. And, and, and yet serving the Lord is not for wimps. You've got to be a real man to serve the Lord. Jesus was the man of all men. And, and he calls us to be men. You try to stand before a mob that's beating you and whipping you. You try to stand before a mob like he did. My, he had the power of God on him. And so some people think, you know, our world looks at us like we're wimps. Or, that's fine. That's okay. God's a holy God. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And so I want to tell you this. Not only do we need to be ready, why we need to stand before the Lord. But last but not least, will it be worth it? Will it be worth it serving Jesus Christ? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone may receive what's done in his body according to as he's done, whether it be good or bad. This is after we die. This is after we die. One more account. I could share numerous accounts, as you know. I remember Kathy, Kathy Yarborough. Remember Kathy Yarborough? Marie White, right across the road. Had the privilege of preaching her son, her other son's funeral, her daughter Rose's funeral, Steve's funeral, her brother's funeral, five funerals in one home. 
And then Marie finally went to be with the Lord in July. Never forget it, July the 4th. Guess who was here to help serve that day? Kathy Yarbrough. Guess what? I looked at her and I said, Kathy, thank you for helping serve. A lot of times when people pass away or something happens during the week, it's like sometimes we scramble trying to get things done, get somebody to help serve, get food, da-da-da-da-da. I'm not whining, I'm just telling you, that's the reality. Why? Because everybody's busy or whatever's going on. Kathy said this to me, and I thank God for faithful servants. I'm not talking about if you're serving the Lord, but there's many who could step up that aren't. Here's what Kathy said. She had a smile on her face, glow about her. And I said, Kathy, thank you for serving the Lord Jesus at Marie White's funeral, July, a couple of years ago. She said, Brother Randy, it's a privilege to serve my Lord. I said, thank you, Kathy. That was really, really a blessing to me. It was contagious to me. I needed to hear that. Little did I know, two weeks from then, I get a call. She had actually... She had her clothes set out to come to church that Sunday morning. She was committed to Jesus. She was committed to serving the Lord. And that night, the Lord had other plans for her. She went to heaven. I made my way over to the house after church that Sunday. And this is what the two sons told me as I gathered with the family. There's Mama's clothes right over there. She was getting ready to go to church. She didn't know that was her last day on earth. You don't know when your last day on earth is going to be either. I don't know when my last day on earth is going to be. What is Jesus going to say about you? What will he say about you? Stand to your feet, please.